I'm going to recap what we've done over the last couple of weeks because I think the recap's important. So it says, Jesus wants us to put him at the centre of our lives, every aspect of our lives. So if this um, bamboo stick represents Jesus, this represents an aspect of our life, Jesus wants to be in the centre, okay? He doesn't want to be left on the edge. He wants to be in the centre. Being on the edge is a really good starting point because that way you can move. But keeping Jesus on the edge isn't really great. If we put Jesus at the centre of our lives, it will be good for us and it will be good for other people. And the more aspects that we put at the, Jesus in the centre of, the more alignment, the more peace we'll get because we'll be in alignment with Jesus and the word of God and living in obedience because Jesus being at the centre of it all makes a huge difference to us and therefore to other people. If it's if God is being good in our lives, the goodness will overflow. And so we will be good news to other people when we put Jesus at the centre of things. And not only do we need to put Jesus at the centre of things in our life, we need to centre ourselves on him, fix our, our gaze, our, our eyes on him then we will fulfill God's purposes and plans. So why? Why should Jesus be at the centre? Well, firstly, one, God is good. His character is good. Who he is, is good. He is worthy of being at the centre of our lives. Nothing else will do. Nothing else is, being, is worthy of being the centre of our lives. If Jesus isn't at the centre of our lives, someone or something will be. And we'll end up worshipping and desiring that other person or that thing. So we'll end up worshipping, honouring, loving, being devoted to a created thing rather than the creator. And we're to worship the creator, not the creation. And so, why put Jesus at the centre? Because someone or something else will be. And that is bad news for us and other people. Because sin will be running riot. Thirdly, today, I was thinking, if we don't put Jesus at the centre of our lives, what will happen is that our love will grow cold. Our love for God will grow cold and we will fall away or drift off. <clears throat> And it saddens my heart to know those that have started running the race following Jesus and then they've fallen away or drifted off and Jesus is no longer at the centre of their lives and their love for him 
has gone cold. It's painful, it's difficult, it's not what God wants. And Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 to 13, Jill, please, says this. It says, because of the increase of wickedness, because of the spread of evil, because of the increase in godlessness, people living as if God doesn't um, exist. The love of many will grow cold. So rather than being hot, flaming, fire, passion, desire for Jesus, we become cold. We withdraw. We lose our hope, our spark, our desire, our dream, our passion. But the one who stands firm, verse 13, to the end will be saved. You know, we can turn away from the satisfaction of Jesus. It is Jesus that properly satisfies. For he made us. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the, the, I am the the thing, you, we sang it, all I need is you. And that's right. All I need is you to be centred on you and to live out of union with you. You satisfy me. Other people, situations, things, stuff, they don't truly satisfy. They just leave you wanting more. When you get the, the thing and you, you get it, then you become hollow and empty and you want the next thing or the next thing or the next thing or the next thing or the next thing. And it doesn't satisfy. Jesus is the one who truly satisfies. But you know what? Jesus is not, he can be, but he's not always a quick fix. Other things are a quick fix to, to our soul. They, it pleases our, our, our thoughts and our feelings that we've got this. We find and get our identity or our significance from these things rather than Jesus. But it becomes hollow and empty and meaningless and pointless. And Whereas Jesus truly satisfies. But you know, we can turn from satisfaction to distraction. Little things that glitter, that look good, that sound good, that chase us away from Jesus. So, wickedness is increasing in this world. Sin is on the march and it wants to have us. But we must master it. And the way we can master that is to put Jesus at the centre of our lives and to centre ourselves on him. We can turn from truth. We can turn from the truth of Jesus, the living truth of Jesus, the living truth of God's word, and we can believe lies. Little lies, big lies, national lies, international lies, rather than... Almighty God, truth. We can turn from the truth and fall into lies and that pulls us away from Jesus being at the centre of our lives and our lives being centred on him. 
We can turn from trust and faith. We can fall into fear because of the increase of wickedness that's going on. And so rather than keeping Jesus at the centre and trusting him, we give way to all sorts of fears and calamities. Jesus, in, in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 33, he says he's been talking to his disciples and he's basically saying something along the lines of, look, now, now is a time of grief. Now is a time of sadness. Now is a time of hardship. But there will be joy. There will be joy. There will be future joy. And there will be joy in the moment, in the midst of, the, of it all. And, he's, and it's, he says, I've told you these things... So that in me, in me, in Christ, in Jesus, you will have peace. You will have peace. You will have the shalom of God. Peace is not an absence of trouble or hardship. But peace is the very presence of God in the middle of the storms and in the middle of the darkness and in the middle of the dysfunction that Jesus if we engage with him and hold on to him, we can know perfect peace, wholeness, well-being, completeness, satisfaction in the middle of the most awful times because we're centred on him. But if we take our gaze off him and fix ourselves on the, on the tough stuff, guess what? It's going to overwhelm us. Our love for him will grow cold. The difficulties will over, overwhelm us. Jesus says this, here on earth, you will have many trials, many sorrows. You will have tough times. You will have difficulties. Right? There's, there's part of the, the Christian world that basically says, believe in Jesus and everything will be rosy. Jesus says, I've told you this, that you might be encouraged in me, find peace in me, trust in me, while you go through the storms, difficulties, and the crud of life. But take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, there will be an increase of wickedness and evil and godlessness. And many will grow cold because of that. Their love will grow cold. But not us. Not me. I don't want to be like that. In the message, it says this. Jesus, I've told you all this so that trusting in me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace in this godless world. You will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart. I have conquered the world. We follow a suffering, crucified saviour. Jesus went through difficult times and he causes, calls us to follow. So if we've got this sugar-coated Christianity that says, everything, God loves me, everything's going to be great. So when we go through a tough time, we think, oh, what good is this God? It doesn't work. God is good all the time. All the time God is good. And he's good in the middle of the storm and the difficulty. And it's up to us 
to fix our gaze on him, center on him, so that our love doesn't grow cold and we don't fall away. We follow a suffering, crucified saviour. Isaiah 53 and verse 3 says this. Jesus, well, it's a, prof- it's a prophecy, okay? So did Isaiah know who he, was, who he was talking about? Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But we can look at this and go, Jesus. He was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows. We know that. He was acquainted with the deepest grief. We know that. We read about Jesus. It says, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised. We did not care. Uh, it says it slightly uh, differently in other, in other versions. But you get the point that Jesus was a man who knew suffering and sorrows. So when we have suffering and sorrows, he more than knows what we're talking about. He more than knows what we're going through. He's with us in it, in the storm, in the difficulty, and it doesn't always go away like we want, when we want, immediately, if not sooner, please God. Sometimes we go through the storm, and sometimes the storm is the making of us. A storm can break us and a storm can make us. It totally depends on our attitude to it. Is this thing going to make me better or bitter? Am I going to go through this praising the Lord, rejoicing him, celebrating him, worshipping, honouring him because he's good and this world is not my home and I've got a glorious future? Or am I going to be so caught up with this world, it's not fair, if God loved me, why did he let me go through this? Why not you? Why not you? Why only most of the world go through it, but not you? We go through difficult times. This world is not our home. We've got a glorious future. Hebrews 2, verse 1, please, Jill, thank you, says, we, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. So now is not a time to drift away. Now is not a time to fall away. Now is a time to put Jesus in the centre of our lives. Now is a time to centre ourselves on Jesus. We must listen very carefully. Go back to it. Go back to it. Know it. Treasure it. Who is God? What has he done? What difference does that make? What has he done in my life? What has he done in someone else's life? That we rehearse and tell again the story of Jesus, the story of God in our own lives in one another's lives, that as we testify, it builds us up and encourages us and we can say, Lord, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Have your way. See, a testimony of somebody, and we don't probably get this very often, but I'm just thinking this, this is a really good testimony. I've gone through hell and high water, but he is good and I'm walking with him. When was the last time we heard a, like a testimony just like, 
well, I might still be in the middle of the storm, but do you know what? God is good. Do you know what? I'm rejoicing. Do you know what? I'm worshipping him now as if all this is sorted out because he's so good. So it's the attitude of our heart for what we go through can cause us to lose faith in God. So if you've been told, believe in Jesus, follow him, everything's going to be brilliant and rosy, it's a lie. But if you have been told that, you know, believe in Jesus, follow him, and he is good. He is good. His love endures forever. And he will make you and shape you through the storm. If you continue to look to him, centre yourself on him and allow him in the middle of it all. It might not happen when we want it, but God. And if we die and it hasn't been done yet, so what? Because of the glory of heaven our home in God. Now, what I wanted to do, but I'm going to stop because of the time, I wanted to speak about some other things, uh, some like practical ways, some holy habits, spiritual disciplines of how we can actually do that. Because there's one thing talking about doing something, there's another thing about actually doing it. So um, maybe I'll do that another time then. But I'm going to end there and just those of you who were here a few weeks ago I, I made a door frame okay and, uh, and I said I can't remember what I said but it was something like that door frame so imagine a big wooden door frame here that door frame represents moving into a new season new opportunities that the, the way is open and so I uh, if my, mem- my memory, I saw a, a corridor of doors that represented opportunities and the doors were uh, slightly separated. Some it was a big gap, some a, a really big gap, some was a small gap. But there were doors of opportunities to walk through. And part of that uh, required us to leave some things behind and let go of things and enter in. And uh, I've, as I've been just thinking and praying this week, it, it like... It's not gone away. It's not there. So some people got up and walked through the door. And I, I'm believing that God is saying there's an opportunity. Okay? That, so people who got up and did it said things, and it was like a prophetic enactment. And I just want to say, don't let that go, because I think God's on it. And you don't need a wooden door frame to do business with God. You just need a, a heart attitude and that says, okay, I believe this is the, this is the next season you want to walk me through. I'm going to, I don't know God, but I need, I need help to get through it. I need help to break free and enter into this new season. And, um, and then maybe it might be soon that you're entering into another new season now. But, you know, we, I don't know... You know, we, we know and discern the season that we're in. And sometimes it feels like we move into a new season. We didn't even, like, we didn't realise it. We did, it just happened like, like the natural seasons. But what, what I'm thinking is, is that God is like going, no, look, there is a door of opportunity. You can walk through it and enter into a new season. It's not just going to happen 
to you, although off-seasons often do. But here is an opportunity for you to recognise something, name, name it, what you're leaving behind even, and then what you're entering into. So I just want to raise that again, um, because I think that part of that is putting Jesus at the centre and being centred on Jesus because it's his season that he's inviting us into, not our season. Because it's not about us. It's, all, it's always about him, but he invites us and includes us to be in it. And so I just want you to, like, just in your mind's eye now, imagine... So, so Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for our imaginations... Uh, we we want to bind up any scheme of evil that would seek to distract us or uh, cause us to uh, opt out. <laughs> like, Lord, help us to fix on you. Lord, that we submit our imaginations to you, that in, in you my imagination is, is holy and sanctified. And so in imagination, imagine, however you want to do it, a doorway in front of you. And Jesus is standing at that doorway and he's calling you forward. He's beckoning you in. And he's giving you a glimpse through the door. He's allowing you to see something that you haven't yet seen. But you're seeing it right now. Right now. Revelation come right now. Revelation come right now to see it. And you're aware that you're standing outside of that door. just want you to look down to your right hand and to your left hand. Is there anything in there? Is there anything you're carrying, holding on to that is preventing you walking through because it's just... The doorway's not big enough. And Jesus says something to you. So what's he saying to you? What's he asking you to do? But, but more than that, what is he speaking over you about it? I know it's a better word. He's bringing a better word. He's given you the opportunity to let go and trust him and to, to step forward. So now in this moment, make your mind up. What are you going to do? Are you going to just wait and stay at the doorway, which is your choice? Or are you going to step through that doorway into the new season that you've glimpsed? I believe that Lord would say to those of you who have chosen to stay outside at the moment, a word of comfort to you, because he loves you more than anything. And he wants you to walk through the door, but he's, he's just comforting you and saying, I'm here when you're ready.
I'm here when you're ready. And for those who, uh, who walk through the door, I just, he's going, enjoy, enjoy, delight, enjoy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. In your mercy, help us to centre ourselves upon you and allow you to more and more move from the edge of our life to the centre of it. For your glory, for your purpose, for your kingdom coming and your will being done. Amen. Amen.